Tom Wood Show, episode 1310. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, guess what? I've got another free ebook available. This one is called Our Enemy, the Fed. Fact and fiction about the Federal Reserve and the U.S. economy. So when your friends try to tell you the Fed is a stabilizing force and why we don't want to have the panics of the 19th century again, well, you'll be able to smash them rhetorically. Get your copy at OurEnemyTheFed.com. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. As we wrap up 2018 on The Tom Woods Show, I've got a really nice lineup of guests today. And we're just going to look back on the Ron Paul years. And many of you listening remember those years as fondly as I do. The 2008 and 2012 campaigns. There was so much about them that was so great. And not least of which was that a lot of us got to know each other. And we would never have met otherwise. And there were some great friendships that were made. For example, Michael Moresco, who's one of the folks we're going to be talking to today, was a surprise guest at my surprise uh, 40th birthday party some years ago. I didn't even realize he was remotely in the area at the time, but he just happened to be uh, working on a job, and so he was able to attend. And so just a lot of just nice things on a, on a human level came out of this, but a lot more than that came out of it too. So today we're just going to recall some of this and record it for posterity. And I wanted to get a few people who were deeply involved at the grassroots level. So the three people I have today are Michael Moresco, Brian Thome, Brian is spelled with a Y, and Jordan Page. Michael Moresco got his reputation at the beginning as the Ron Paul rider because he got on his bike and he rode cross country, lugging along with him all kinds of Ron Paul literature to just talk to people and distribute that literature everywhere he went. That was fantastic. Brian Thome created the Ron Paul Forums. And again, those of you who go back a ways will remember the Ron Paul Forums. That was a way a lot of people were able to have discussions and find out what was going on. They were very, very successful. And then Jordan Page, who's been a guest, in fact, not too long ago, right here on this program, is, you might say, the musician of the Ron Paul Revolution, given how many major Ron Paul events he opened for with his music. So, I talked to these folks a day or so ago, and it was a really great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it, and here it is. Michael, I'd like to start with you. I think I want to ask everybody here how you got into this. Like, what was the thing that drew you into the Ron Paul revolution? Was there a particular moment? Was it something on TV? Was it a friend talking to you? And when whatever that thing was happened to you, what did you do next? How did your life change? I'd like to ask you first. Well, I had kind of dropped out because I exposed to corruption when I was young. I learned that the world is completely corrupt, you know, pretty much completely, very corrupt. And uh, I had ended up in Hawaii on this little island in Hawaii, and I was more or less just, I dropped out. And I still had a lot of angst, I'm not sure what the right word, but sadness of what was happening to America. And I had found out about Ron Paul back in 98 when I first got online. Somebody convinced me that not all politicians are dishonest. So I followed, kind of followed Ron Paul, and then I saw what was happening. I saw how the internet, when Ron Paul first announced, and I saw how the meetups were starting to organize, self-organize all over the country, I realized that this was going to shake things up like the world had never seen, and I had to be a part of that. 
So I got online and I started, you know, being in the meetups and that kind of stuff. Couldn't do a lot in Hawaii because people aren't very politically engaged in Hawaii for many reasons. And so at, at one point I realized that I couldn't be in the middle of this here in Hawaii. So I went back to the mainland. And when you got there, and I, I want to, I guess we'll, now, you know what? I want to stick with Michael actually on this because I want you to tell the story of becoming the Ron Paul Ryder because that's how I met you. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, well, one of the first things I did in Oahu with our meetup was, you know, everybody got together and they had these meetups and it was like a, you know, it was like a debate club, you know, and everybody would sit there and argue and talk about stuff. And I was more interested in shaking things up by getting people to know Ron Paul. So I proposed this idea of walking around the idea of Oahu with signs and flyers and make a little media event out of it or just at least get the name out. So it was a way of getting away from the meetups and out onto the street. And so we did that. Kelly Halderson had done a walk across um, pretty much, I don't know, she did 45 miles in one day. It was crazy. And she carried a Ron Paul sign from her home in New Hampshire to the state capitol. Well, after that, the forums went nuts with this idea of, you know, walking across the country and doing the same kind of thing across the country. And the logistics of that was so tough that I had suggested the only way to do it before the primaries was to do it on bicycles. And if people supported me and if somebody rode with me, I would get on a bicycle and pedal across the country. And um, one thing led to another. I got funding for the bikes and stuff. I mean, I spent a lot of my own money, but I got enough funding. And I had a partner at the very beginning, but he wasn't really ready to pedal across the country. So before we left California, I was by myself out there and I made it. You know, it was, I had never owned a road bike. I had never pedaled a bicycle more than 10 miles in my, in one direction in my life before I got on that bike and pedaled. That's what I love about this is that I naturally assumed at the time that you were a cyclist and you weren't. <laughs> no, no, I was smoking and drinking. I'd stop and people are like, I'd take a break. I'd take out a pack of cigarettes <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, you're not a cyclist. I don't know. I'm a rigger from Hawaii. <laughs> now, how many times you went across the country and then back? Yeah, and then back uh, for criminal justice reform. The second one was after the, you know, they, they had those MIAC reports come out and we did a lot of work with those MIAC reports. And then uh, the one came out in Virginia and it mentioned uh, returning military veterans are supposed to be approached as potential terrorists. And that one finally was the straw that broke the camel's back and it gave me a reason to pedal a bike again. So I pedaled from the Statue of Liberty to Alcatraz and visited sheriffs all along the way and gave them a pile of books on the issues that we're going to turn into what we see now with the Ferguson and the, just the separation between you know, real community policing and this war training that they have now. And the way they've changed the training has changed the way they re react with the public. And it turned into what we see now. So back in 2009, I was pedaling a bicycle across the country telling sheriffs, you guys got to change your training or we're going to start having riots in the streets. I got to say one quick thing. I'm going to post on the show notes page, tomwoods.com slash 1310, the photograph of you riding alongside Dr. Paul himself. And I, I want to get to the other gentleman in a minute, but can you tell me exactly how it came about? Because I, as I recall, you also rode your bike by the Mises Institute. So that was how I got to meet you. But you rode by Dr. Paul's house and somehow it was arranged that you would ride with him. How did that come about? What I had done was I, you know, when you're planning a route, it's like, well, where do I go? You know, what do I do? And part of it was I said, well, I'll pedal through Ron Paul's hometown. 
you know, just as just a waypoint on the trip. And when they found out I was paddling through Bruce Bullock, who was running the meet up down there and was personal friends with the Pauls, he told them that I was going to be there and arranged to, you know, I got picked up, I got put up in a hotel and I got up in the morning and uh, he says, come on, we're going to go meet somebody. And over we went to the Paul's house, we had coffee and breakfast, and then he got on the bike and rode with me. It was very, very surreal for me. Yeah, yeah, that must have been. And I remember when you came to the Mises Institute, for some reason, as you came in, I was on the phone with Dr. Paul. And I said to him, guess who just sauntered in here? And and you said hello to him. Anyway, just a fantastic memory. All right, I want to, let's go over to Brian, because he's also so far unknown to my audience, at least from the point of view of having been on in the past. You started the Ron Paul Forums, so obviously that's a major commitment. How did you get into this whole thing? Well, Tom, my story with Ron Paul actually started in 2004, and I was kind of more of a traditional Republican at the time, and but was then getting very concerned about the military spending and the war, which just going on and on. And so as that election was approaching, I started doing more research, and through my research, I kept running into this guy, you know, these papers from Ron Paul, and... So it's like, you know, first time you don't think much about it. Second time, you know, third time it's like, all right, you know, this guy's getting my attention. So then I actually started delving into more research, found out that there was actually a grassroots campaign to get him to run for president in 2004. And I signed that petition. So I actually got on in 2004 with, with Ron. And then when he announced in 2007, and it was that one video that dropped, I mean, it just got to me, you know, at the heart. And... I just knew I got to get involved and do something. So I did. And so as the meetup sprung up, there was the um, Houston meetup. And I went to the first one and Josh Lowry was there as well. And during the course of discussion and the meetup, he said, hey, you know, we got to start, a, you know, a site, you know, for our group. And, and I said, you know, basically said, well, hey, let's just start one in general. And, you know, he said, OK, well, let's have a forum. And said, it's called Ron Paul Forums. So we got together, basically, he, he actually kicked it off. And, you know, I became the second, you know, with him. Um, I actually later acquired all the rights from him. But that's what really got everything off the ground. I remember the Ron Paul forums very well from those days. And it's actually hard to get forums to get a lot of people posting. I, I mean, uh, I see a lot of forums where the last post is from three years ago. And, it's very, very difficult to generate activity. It's easier to generate it on a social media platform where everybody is already congregating. But to get them to modify their internet patterns such that they're on frequently enough to sustain you know, lengthy discussions, that's a feat in itself. In other words, that's really, really rare to make that kind of thing happen. Was this something you had any experience with or you just thought, look, I can do this and this is a contribution I can make to the movement? Well, yeah, I have had some experience actually working with online social media going back way before the the days of the Internet to bulletin board systems. But with the the promotion of that was not our doing. I mean, once we got the site up and running, uh, we sent it out to our meetup. Then actually, this is when MySpace was around. People, you know, went up through MySpace, various people promoted it and people it was just because of Ron Paul. So it wasn't really anything that we did, but we were just kind of right place, right time first one's really out there and people wanted to talk about Ron Paul. So we could take, you know, no real credit for that. It was all about the message of Liberty and Ron Paul um, and people coming together to support him. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, let's go over to Jordan. Now, people are more familiar with you. I've had you on several times, and you've performed at who knows how many Ron Paul and Liberty events. But again, when exactly did you emerge onto the Ron Paul scene specifically? What was that first event, and how did you get to be part of it? Well, the first event that I had with Dr. Paul was the Revolution March. Oh, that was in, the first well, one in 2008. That was the first in 2008, it was right in front of the Capitol on the National Mall, 15,000 people. This was my very first event. I mean, I was playing in bars, okay? I mean, like, I was like a club musician, some theaters and whatnot, but mainly playing, you know, cover songs with a, with a few of my originals mixed in for, for drunk people who could care less whether I was there or not. And I had had an experience at the end of 2006. It was really divine intervention. I I wrote this song, Pendulum, in the middle of the night. It was 3 o'clock in the morning on December the 1st of 06 and did not understand the references in the song. It was like somebody else had written it and given it to me in, in the middle of the night. And I played the song for a big audience I had at the Ramstead uh, on stage in Annapolis, Maryland, and I got a standing ovation for that song, just for that song. And so it was like I had this moment where you know, the Excalibur coming out of the stone moment where, you know, the light comes down. It's like, these people understand what this song is about. It's time for you to understand, Jordan. And so I went and just went headfirst into research and into the information war and the, down the rabbit hole. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening have had that experience in some form or another. And I spent the next year, all of 2007, writing songs, anti-war songs, anti-corruption songs, I didn't even know who Ron Paul was until like the very beginning of 2008, like January of 2008, I saw an advertisement for the Revolution March. And I had been in touch with Gary Franchi, who was uh, who's now the, the anchor of the Next News Network, but he was with Restore the Republic then. And I sent him the song Pendulum that I had recorded. And Pendulum had been getting some airplay on XM radio all over the world. And I was getting a lot of traction with that song. And Gary is the one that, that booked me for the Revolution March. And I started learning about, you know, what it was all about and about Ron Paul. And I showed my wife and we were not Republicans. We were, you know, both raised in Democratic households. And I said, you got to see this guy, Ron Paul. And she was like, oh, you know, he's a Republican. I don't want to listen to that nonsense. And I was like, no, you really got to listen to him. And, and when we both listened to him, we both had the aha moment. Wow, you, this, is, this is the guy. And we really need to be part of this. And so I showed up at the Revolution March completely green, had no idea what I was getting into. And I saw that there's this huge movement of people behind this man. And uh, I got a chance to meet him that day. And there's a great picture of me with him wearing a shirt that says arrest Cheney first. I, I always love, love that uh, picture of me and him. But then over the next couple of years after the revolution March, I would always end up at these events with him, not on the campaign trail, just at, at Liberty events. And they would always put me as the opener for him to get everybody all riled up before he would come on. And that sort of became my role. And then around 2010, he and his group started inviting me to it, to do events specifically. Uh, I did, you know, freedom watch with, with the judge judge Knapp and, and Ron was the, uh, the keynote speaker that was at, at Ohio state. Uh, that was a live taping with like 2000 people. And I started playing these massive events with people that knew the words to my songs because, you know, the Ron Paul movement really propelled me into uh, into the spotlight. And I, I was I guess I was just writing songs that made sense to to them. And, and and you know, there's there's a song I wrote called Liberty that I felt really um, 
encapsulated a lot of the message. And I wrote a campaign song for Dr. Paul in, in 2012, 2011, 2012. And I, I don't know how many events I did. It was, it was several dozen, but uh, it was a wild, wild ride. And, they, and his campaign continued to bring me out to, to play for these big crowds. And, and I've continued to tour and, and do concerts for him ever since. You mentioned the Revolution March. That just brings back uh, some interesting memories to me. First memory is that it was about 237 degrees out that day. Yes, it was. Unbelievable. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me here. But And no water. There was no water to be found anywhere. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we had to do it, and, and we got, you know, there was a lot of energy there. But I just told this story, and I, my short-term memory is so poor these days, I can't remember if I told it on the show or, or if I was just telling a friend, but the night before the Revolution March, there was a pre-Revolution March party at a bar. And I had the good fortune of actually being out for dinner with Dr. Paul that night before the Revolution March. And so I mentioned to him, you know, there's this pre-March party going on right in town. And wouldn't it be, it was about 10 p.m. at the time. And, and, and I said, wouldn't it be amazing if, if you just spontaneously showed up there? No one would expect that. And he jokingly, you know, being the, the elderly gentleman, uh, he, he said to me, are people still awake at this hour? <laughs> yes, they are. So he actually agreed to do it. So oh, we wow. drove over there. He's walking down the street to get to this bar. And there are people, this is in 2008. This is before even the 2012 campaign. He's walking down the street and people who are not even part of our thing are saying, hey, that's Ron Paul. Hey, I think that's Ron Paul. It was unbelievable. And then we got there. People lost their minds when he walked into that bar, took a megaphone and started talking. They could not believe he was there. That's one thing. Another thing I want to say before we go on is you mentioned Gary Franchi. And in the 2012 campaign, he and I worked together on something called the Revolution Pack, a super PAC. Right. And we made some ads you know, not campaign approved, of course, because we were with a super PAC, but I made an ad. I, I wrote it, and then we had amazing people animate it that aired on CNN a number of times that is like my proudest moment. It was like, it was a 60-second ad that summed up everything that was awesome about Ron Paul, everything we loved about him, every, every reason that we would sacrifice so much for him. I somehow packed it into a 60-second ad. I think that 60 seconds is better than any of my books. So I'm going to link to that ad if people didn't ever get a chance <laughs> to see it. Also at tomwoods.com slash 1310. All right, now I guess I want to ask uh, each of you if you can recall a particularly poignant moment or one of your favorite stories or just something that was just really, that really struck you, that stayed with you, that was just awesome about these years. Uh, and any of you can go first, whichever one of you, uh, something occurs to first, just jump right in. This is Michael. Uh, I remember the AIM straw poll ad as being some of the most amazing online collaboration, online crowdfunding we really pioneered that whole way of doing politics and the way the crowdfunding, I mean, the way it all came together in 24 hours and the online collaboration, it really solidified, you know, how powerful the internet was going to be in elections going forward. And I think Brian can speak to the backside of that event as well. When we put together the aim straw poll ad, it was just an amazing it happened so fast. Everybody just got together, agreed on the copy and every, everything, and uh, we put this together. Brian, I bet you can speak on this as well. Well, you know, actually, I can't speak as much as I should because I was in Iowa that whole week. And so this yeah. was one of the big things that I had going on. 
we had traveled up to Iowa to be there for the debate and stay there through the straw poll. And that's when all that happened. And so I was kind of getting reports, hey, people are doing this and this is happening on the forum. And I kind of get in there and do what I can. But I'm all boots on the ground. We're following Ron Paul's campaign around Iowa for a whole week. Um, I'm there worried about, you know, producing videos and doing different things. Some interesting things came out of that. But kind of segue into what I thought was a really important moment was that straw poll. And, you know, Ron Paul didn't you know, come in as high as he could, but it was an amazing event. I was like, did a lot of video from that. And so afterwards, it's like people were all down. It's like, oh, this is bad. And so I was like, okay, I got to put together a video. And so I was doing a lot of video work. And I said, uh, you know, just to show how great this video was. And so as we're writing back, you know, I'm like working on my computer and, you know, putting, you know, editing this video together, And afterwards, I thought, you know, it came out very well. People, it's one of my proudest videos because it it just really highlighted the energy and everything that was going on there and the greatness of everything. Kind of an interesting side note, too, from that ride back, the Granny Warriors were coming back with us to Texas in tow. So I was like, oh, I got to get some video of them. So at one point, I'm like, okay, in order to do this right, I got to like get in someone's hatchback. And I'm like, driving down the freeway with holding on to this hatchback to keep it from, you know, flying open while I'm just trying to shoot video with camera in one hand and just trying to make this all, you know, not let myself get killed. Really? And so it all, it all worked out. Actually that video was made it into the four Liberty movie. If you pay attention, there's a point where the granny warriors are introduced and you see the front. So that's where that came from. All right. I'm going to, we got a lot of things. You're, this is a show notes, but if you haven't visited a show notes page of the Tom Wood show this year, this is the one you're going to have to break your streak with, tomwoods.com slash 1310, because I'm also going to link to the AIM straw poll ad they're talking about, which was a grassroots generated ad. And then I'm going to also link to the For Liberty documentary, because if you haven't seen that, that really captured, I mean, Michael, you're in it. Um, yeah. And it really captured our feelings, our feelings of euphoria and our feelings of loss and sadness it captured it all so, so beautifully. I just can't say enough about that documentary. And the makers of that documentary came on the Contra Cruise with us last year, I'm, I'm happy to say. All right, um, Jordan, you were telling me through email that you felt like you had a whole bunch of these, um, like awesome, oh, yeah. awesomeness. So so give us one. Well, I, I'll, I'll go to the Ames uh, Straw Poll too, only in, in for 2012. I was invited to come and perform at, at Ron Paul's tent. So all the different candidates had their own tents and, and some of the candidates uh, who will not be named were bribing people. Uh, one of the, one of them had hired Randy Travis to the country star to come sing, but their tent was completely enclosed and you had to show a sticker saying that you had voted for that candidate to get in to see Randy Travis. So they were, it, it, it was, it was really, really cheap. But Ron's tent was the best one. It, he, had, he had a big stage and they were giving out free hot dogs and hamburgers. And I mean, he, he had just when it was time for him to speak, there were probably close to 2000 people all around the stage. And they put me on with his grandkids, uh, Matt and Vicky. And we and we sang a, a song that a family member had written called The Ballad of, of Dr. Paul. And it was a country song you know there was a country doctor and ron paul was his name and it told the story of ron going to washington and so after we did that uh, i sang the song uh, the light of revolution which was the campaign song i wrote for dr paul and that was the last thing that i did before he and carol came up and so i i, I sing the song 
and people cheer. And then I start to walk off stage and Ron motions to me to stay on the stage. And he says, I, I, basically, I want you up here. And he went to the microphone and he said, I, I want to thank Gordon. He called me Gordon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> said, I want to thank, thank Gordon for that wonderful song. And I've always said the, rev- the revolution needs two things, young people and music. And, and he's provided the music. And here all of you are. And then he basically just invited me to stay on stage with him as his entire family came up. Uh, including Rand and all of his grandkids and all of his great grandkids. And so it was the entire Paul family and Jordan Page on stage. And I was just, I felt so honored by that. I didn't, I didn't even know what to say. I'm like, is this even happening to me right now? Am I imagining this? And um, that was just huge. You know, it was a huge crowd. It was live on uh, C-SPAN and a couple of other networks. And uh, I was very, very moved. He didn't have to do that. He's really just a genuine person. I was invited to perform at his home uh, in 2013, and that was really a beautiful experience. My wife and I went down and spent some time with his family and Lou Rockwell and and Judge Napolitano and some other people. And and that was and I, I believe I believe you were there. Too, I was Tom, there. Yep. I, I was there. Yep. And I got to meet um, Glenn Jacobs, also known as uh, Kane, the the professional wrestler. Uh, who, who apparently was was a big fan of mine, and I didn't know. Uh, I tried to give him a CD, and he told me he already had it. <laughs> like, Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Paul, you know, there were probably a, a dozen moments where Dr. Paul went out of his way to show me that he was grateful for what I was contributing. You know, there was one time at the um, in May, it was Cinco de Mayo of 2011, and I was in South Carolina. It was the first night of the debates, and he was only given 90 seconds to speak. Uh, that entire debate. And when he did speak, he quoted the golden rule. He quoted quoted Jesus, actually, as an example for how we should have our foreign policy. And he was booed, overwhelmingly booed. And I was at a Tea Party rally down the street, and we were expecting him to come later. And they had brought me down to perform. That was the first time I played The Light of Revolution, the campaign song for him. And he was treated so badly that he completely blew off the pundits afterwards, didn't even give them an interview, came straight to our rally. They put me on stage and I played a song and I see him over in, in an alcove listening to the song, smiling at me. And uh, I got the crowd all riled up and shouted President Paul and got them all chanting. And he comes out and he speaks for about 10 minutes and he makes after he was finished, he made a beeline straight for me with his hand outstretched to shake my hand to thank me for the song and because he loved it. And I got to play it for him, you know, at least 12, 15 times. And, and that was just so much fun. But that was what that was the night I really, really knew I was back in the right horse. This guy just quoted Jesus and got booed. You know, I, I'm on the right team. Yeah. I, 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 and there, there was no question in my mind that I was I was on the right team. And, and that was a really, real beautiful thing. Folks, let's take a quick break. I want to tell you something my daughters have been up to. They have been taking classes on Skillshare, as a matter of fact. My daughter, Regina, has been taking classes on creative writing and story arcs and character creation. She's also been taking courses in psychology. Then my other daughter is getting ready to take courses in art and anime. And they're doing this because they have certain hobbies. But you can use Skillshare to help advance your career, acquire a new skill, start a side business, because almost anything you can think of, like audio editing or entrepreneurship or design or how to use almost any platform under the sun, almost anything 
you might need to succeed or get a leg up in your profession, you can find a course that will help you at Skillshare. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, Skillshare is offering Tom Woodshow listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Woods. Again, Skillshare.com slash Woods to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Woods. Now, in this episode, I'd like to be both a participant and the host. So I'd like to say a little something about my own background here. I actually first heard about Ron Paul in 1993. He was out of office at the time. But I somehow I read about him somewhere and I got one of his books, one of his early books. And I was at a conference where he spoke, so I was able to get my book signed. And I've joked with him since then. I'm sure he vividly recalls that moment when he met me in the book signing line in 1993. But then that was it. I didn't have any contact with him or really get to know him at all till 2007 or eight. But I knew who he was, and I was glad to see that he got reelected to Congress in 96. And I had kind of dropped out of observing politics. Clinton versus Dole was just too much for me to take. I just thought, you know, I just don't <laughs> care. And I, But I would tune in just to make sure Ron Paul got reelected. I had no idea what he was up to, but I just somehow felt better knowing he was there. Now, in terms of particular memories that uh, stand out to me, there are just so many. The key one to me that told me something. So in other words, when he ran for president, I knew who he was already. And so I knew this was going to be a big deal. I just didn't know how big. But you remember in 2007, this was when I think we first realized our strength. It was right around the time he was starting to win those straw polls uh, online afterward, those debate polls. And there was an event in Iowa that was put on by an Iowan Christian group, I don't remember the name, and then it was co-sponsored by a group called the Iowans for Tax Relief. And they were gonna have a tax forum and they were inviting all the candidates who were running for president on the Republican ticket, except Ron Paul. And I thought, how do you have a tax forum and you don't invite the man who's been named the taxpayer's best friend? Well, obviously they hated him for his foreign policy and they hated him because he actually did the things that they only pretended to want to do. And so I really made a stink about this. And, and you know, I was urging people to contact the organizers and make a, and boy, were they ticked off at me and they were, and it turns out the guy who was organizing the rally had worked for New York Governor George Pataki, who makes George W. Bush look like Albert Einstein. Okay, this was the guy <laughs> he thought was worth supporting. And remember, so Ron held his own event, same building, but across the hall. Now their event has like 10 candidates. He's just Ron Paul. We got at least as many people to show up just for him. And we everybody marched in and were chanting things. And it was it took everybody by surprise. So we knew something was going on there. And then another event that I particularly was fond of was somebody proposed the idea. It was called Paint the Town Ron. Now, do you guys, first of all, do you guys remember that at all? Yeah. The idea of it was that in your town, you would get either official Ron Paul signs or you'd make your own. And at night, you under cover of night, you would go and just cover your town with Ron Paul signs. And yeah, I know you're supposed to just be hanging them on private property, but to heck with it. We, we, we weren't too scrupulous about that. <laughs> and so we were hanging these signs. There, and, and I was at the Mises Institute at the time. So I was at the Auburn University campus. So we had all these young students who were so excited about doing this. And we were driving around in my bourgeois minivan 
filled with students and signs and, and you know, try to avoid the police and whatever. And the next morning, we went around with a video camera to record our accomplishment. I mean, it was everywhere. Google Ron Paul. It was everywhere. And I just thought nobody was saying paint the town Romney. You know, there was none of that. Nobody cared. Right. So anyway, um, first of all, if anybody wants to respond to anything anybody said, I want you to feel free to jump right in. But otherwise, I've got more to talk about. Yeah, one thing on that, there was one of the, the top activists that came out of Austin, and I was talking to her, said, so how did you get involved? She said, well, I saw a sign that said Google Ron Paul, so I did. <laughs> that's all she had to say. Oh, so that's it's like, oh, wow. You know, it's like, okay, it works. That is amazing that that works. <laughs> that is so funny. And then, and then it was probably on the Ron Paul forums where I found out about things like this, but there were people who they were, it was Halloween. And somebody had bought the domain ronpaulloween.com. And so we're going to give some Ron Paul literature in addition to the candy. Or there was ronpaulmask.com. You could cut it out and go as Ron Paul. I mean, it was, you could not keep up with all the things the grassroots were doing. And so I guess that's another thing I want to ask. Michael, you mentioned the, the straw poll ad, but are there other things the grassroots did? Obviously, the money bombs, you know, that Trevor Lyman had a big hand in were a major thing. He's raising over $4 million in a day, $6 million in a day for a total outsider candidate. That was amazing. But were there any other things that the grassroots were doing that particularly struck you, either for the positive or the negative? Like we could we could mention the Ron Paul blimp if you insisted, but whatever you want to say, I'd love to hear it. The blimp was funny. The, uh, I was pedaling a bicycle across the country and, uh, you know, getting donations was tough. And then I saw that blimp raising half a million dollars. I'm like, my God, these guys are flying a blimp. I'm pedaling a bike. <laughs> but it all worked out. I mean, it was really important for people to do what they were comfortable doing, what they wanted to do. So if they want to donate to the blimp, great. If they want to donate to me, great. It's just as long as people were doing anything, I was fine. But it was kind of funny seeing all that money go into that. I was like, okay, we'll see how much comes out of that. But, but it worked. I mean, they're definitely, they're, they're, we definitely got a lot of uh, airplay on that. So to speak. So, yeah. Of, well, I, I should point yeah, out for the so, youngsters who are listening who may not even know this because some of them weren't around for the 2008 campaign. We're talking about a literal blimp that said, did it say who is Ron Paul or, or what, what did it say on it? It said Google Go Ron Paul on once. It's, yeah, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I think it was Google Ron Paul on one side, then uh, it might have been Ron Paul Revolution on the other. Oh, that could be. I think it was, right. Ron, Paul. I think it was, it was Ron Paul, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I remember seeing the blimp before I was a hardcore Ron Paul, or I saw the blimp, it flew over my town. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. That's why we look back. Uh, that's one of the reasons we look back so fondly on it. I mean, not only because we had this guy we were so proud of, and every day, I mean, speaking for myself at least, I would go to YouTube and I would see what what speech did he give, what interview did he give, what what footage do we have from the grassroots, what's going on with him, and I would just be beaming with pride every day, to, just to even to to know about this guy, much less to know him. And on top of that, though, I felt like I was working alongside such creative and energetic and passionate people with such original ideas. And they weren't all successes, but a lot of them were. A lot of them were really successful ideas. It was a thrill to, to be doing that. Yeah. And the, the Aravoth videos that were coming out at the time, that's what got a lot of people was those. He's not around anymore, Ken. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while, but Aravoth was making all those videos back in the early days that were just so well put together and so good 
you know, they really brought a lot of people in. So that was always good. Um, I also remember, Brian, maybe you remember Razmir did some sort of crowdfunded charity thing. He drove down to a town in South Carolina and we, we crowdfunded it. I can't remember. I, it was some sort of charity thing that we got right. his name out. There was some spam for Ron Paul type event. That's all I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was a bunch of those little things that little, you know, people were doing, you know, in their own, in their own region and they'd get on the forums and they'd get funding for it or they'd get support or they'd get some graphic designer to help them make a flyer for it or whatever. It was just the ability of the people on the grassroots to get together nationwide, no matter where you were and help support other supporters in other regions do what they just wanted to do. It was beautiful. Well, to add to that, yeah, the uh, the USA Today ad, the New York Times ad today that were put together by uh, Larry was it uh, were pretty pretty outstanding. The, the The amount of effort and revisions that went into that was something else. All right, uh, let's see. What else? No, is there anything about it though? Let's talk about. Let's be honest here, because even though it was thrilling and fun and really some of the best times of my life, honestly, I, I mean, for example. I mean, I spoke at that rally for the Republic, and Jordan, you performed in 2012 at the huge event in Tampa. Those were big deals. I mean, that's the biggest crowd I've ever spoke to, thousands and thousands of people uh, at that Target Center in Minneapolis. That was an absolute thrill to be able to walk out there, and I think that was a big turning point for me because I went in there being a guy some hardcore libertarians knew, and I walked out of there being a guy a lot of libertarians knew, and it, I mean, just right. to be part of that moment, and I will point out, by the way, I'm going to toot my own horn on this here. The idea that he would have an event in the Twin Cities when the Republican convention was being held in St. Paul that very week to nominate John McCain. And in the other of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, Ron Paul is simultaneously having his own event. Not the day of the nomination, that's true, but the same week as the convention while the convention's going on. First of all, logistically, that's very difficult because – all the rental cars and hotel rooms have all been taken for months because of the Republican convention. But you can't ever underestimate the resourcefulness of the Ron Paul people. I mean, people were just opening their homes for with floor space and whatever and carting people around to make sure people got to this event. But I, the thing I'm going to toot my own horn was there was a, a meeting in Washington where it was about 50 people who had been involved in the Ron Paul thing. But it was people like Peter Schiff, and Barry Goldwater, and Rand Paul before he ran for Senate, because this was 2008, and uh, Lou Rockwell might have been there, and I was there, and you know, Dr. Paul was kind of talking about what he ought to do next, and getting some feedback, and, and whatever, and I was saying, well, in the very short run, I think you should have your own event the, the same week as the convention. I think you ought, to, you ought to go out fighting, and rally your people, and basically say, look, we're here to stay, and this message is here to stay, so I am going to take credit. That was my idea. And I wasn't sure that he would go for it because I, you know, I th maybe he's got some lingering attachment to the Republican Party or whatever. But the person in that room who stood up and, and seconded that and said, that is a terrific idea. We've got to do it was Rand. Rand stood up and said, we've got to do this thing. And so I was thrilled. I thought, OK, look, his son is for it. This is happening, <laughs> and it did happen. All right, but yeah. let's talk about things. And it was let, Let's talk about things that didn't, didn't go quite the way we wanted. I don't just mean the vote totals. Uh, is there anything that frustrated you about these years? There's one thing that stuck out to me. I thought there was a few times some people were hung out to dry. It's like they really put forth a lot or they were just cut off somehow by the official campaign or something. And you just know this guy's hurting. 
and it's just painful to watch and you know you want to do as what you can but it's just not going to be enough yeah do, do you guys want to add to that at all uh, um jordan you got something things that were frustrating I, I was constantly frustrated by the media blackout on oh, dr yeah. paul I, and, and you know my dad commented because my, my dad thought that i was nuts at the time and he, he didn't he didn't come on board until February of 2012 when we did the Ron Paul uh, tr- troops for Ron Paul march in the White House and he he took me to that and ended up staying he's a my dad's a Vietnam vet but he um, I remember my dad saw the uh, the John Stewart piece uh, after the straw poll when Ron I think came in second and the tallies were on TV and the talking head you know announced who the winner was and then who came in third <laughs> but went completely over Ron Paul and John Stewart says came third behind who they won't even like say right, the man's it was name bizarre. I mean, and, yeah, when did ron paul become the 13th floor in a yeah. hotel yeah exactly yeah. and that, that always frustrated me and, and and just dealing with people's apathy because uh, a, lot, a lot of people's apathy was very much cured by the campaigns and i know mine was certainly you know affected i i, I was so excited all the time and so passionate about it and just did everything I could to wake people up. And, and I ended up writing songs in response to a lot of the things that I saw on the road and questions people had or struggles that they were having. My song Liberty is one of those songs because it, it was all about, you know, what can one man do alone? That was the number one question I got from people. I'm just one person. You know, what can I even do about all this? Like, this is bigger than me. And I'm like, no, it's all of us together. You know, each of us are individuals. And that's where that, that song came from. But it was born out of that frustration that people had feeling ineffectual. It was both the blackout and just a general creepiness around the way they would treat him. He would even be sitting there. He would be sitting there in a debate. One of the last debates, it must have been the 08 campaign. One of the last debates, it was down to just four candidates. It was McCain, Romney, Huckabee, and Dr. Paul, those four. Now, McCain and Romney got the lion's share of the speaking time. But what they were speaking about was so trivial. The, the differences between McCain and Romney, you know, you could you could fit them on one third of a credit card. You know, there's, who even knows what the differences are? So they were arguing over troop deployments in Afghanistan. And they were talking about when, you know, if you might withdraw them and how many and when. And the differences between them were so trivial that finally Dr. Paul intervened and said, this whole discussion is inane. We should be talking about whether we should be involved in these imperial projects in the first place, not this minutia about who's going to deploy how many troops where. Talk about missing the point. So then after the debate is over, clearly that's the most important moment, right? Because he actually raised a significant foundational issue, not just minutia. He raised a significant issue. So the debate's over and you listen to the talking heads and people like David Gergen are saying, well... I thought Romney had a good point when he said he would add 10,000 troops to such as, and I thought, what What are you talking about? That's of no significance whatsoever. We're going to forget that by tomorrow morning at breakfast. You know, that's of no significance. Meanwhile, you've got a guy who is blowing the whistle on the whole thing, and we're going to pretend he was not there. I mean, that really does tell you a lot about society, the political class, the media, and what the whole thing's all about. There were a lot of polls that were taken online as well during the debates as to who won. And there was, I remember there was one that clearly Ron Paul was the overwhelming winner and they discredited their own poll. I would think this might've been CNN discredited their own poll on the air 
as being rigged by Ron Paul supporters. Because they voted. <laughs> and that it was I mean, they, yes. they actually were not claiming that the Ron Paul supporters had done anything underhanded or had gamed the system in some way or gotten bots. It was simply that we voted. We cared enough to yeah. vote. That was it. That was legitimately it. And that was enough to invalidate the poll. You know, Tom, I think well, actually now, now that I really think about it, I think my, one of the most frustrating moments was at the RNC in 2012. You know, I, I, was, I was down there obviously to do the, the Fight for the Future rally and – and support Dr. Paul there, but it, it was the moment that I, I always call it was uh, the eyes have it, which was when they were voting on the floor and people were shouting no because they wanted Ron Paul, and the eyes have it was already on the TV prompters and like like re- ready to give it to to Romney, and it was one of those moments that just like it's so rigged. It's all that, that that's when I realized it's so much of it is theater. It's really just theater. Like the, the eyes have it, <laughs> you know. And I think that that was a moment for a lot of people where they where they realized like they're pushing an elephant up the stairs in this process, and that like you know the best man for the job wasn't even allowed to speak, and the votes were counted before they were cast. And uh, yeah, that was that was a very frustrating moment for sure. I'd like to maybe start wrapping up and ask you guys what you think about what's become of the Ron Paul revolution in the years since. 2012. And it's, well, you know what? I was going to give some commentary, but I don't want to skew what you guys might say. Just just any comment at all about that. I'm really stoked with uh, what YAL has morphed into. You know, some of the things that have been born out of the Ron Paul campaign are timeless and, and really having a good effect. Well, so let me make sure I'm, everybody knows you know, I, that I, YAL is Young Americans for Liberty. It's the college group, just so everybody knows that. So yeah, yeah. So so, so by yeah, all means, carry on. Started, but I, but but sometimes we speak in a lingo that 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 some of the the newbies might not know. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's been an explosion of small l libertarian media, alternative me in the alternative media, and that all came out of the Ron Paul campaign. There was an audience now. There was people interested in talking about this thing, and people have gone in different directions. But we do have a lot of push. We're you know the the fact that marijuana is becoming legal. That's a lot of that all ties in together with this online activism that the Ron Paul campaign, kind of, the grassroots kind of pioneered. And there's still a carryover. There's your show. There's a ton of libertarian-minded shows. And then there's YAL, the Young Americans for Liberty, who is doing a lot of the electoral stuff. They're, their focus now is on down-ticket races, which is building a farm team. So I see hope in what's coming on what, and what we started. And I'm very happy that I took the time to, to get involved like I did. Brian? Yeah, to add to that, I, I, I agree with Michael. It's it's a lot of the little things. I mean, we don't see the, this huge coming together like we did in 2008. And, you know, maybe that's just a one-time thing, but it's it's this continual process. And, and I think there's a certain amount of acceptance, too, that you have to have. There's a certain amount of turnover where, you know, some new people are going to come in and, you know, some people are going to fall off and that's just part of the process and that's okay. We have to continue on with that. Jordan? I, I have a, a similar um, a similar sentiment as these guys, but I, I I've had a different kind of experience. You know, in, in the in the years following the the end of the campaign in 2012, you know, I continued to tour and I continued to do shows, um, and and where I would draw a hundred people on my own uh, in some in some cities. Uh, the next year, I would draw fifty. 
And then the next year I would draw, you know, 18. And, 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 and it wasn't for, you know, lack of, of trying and promotions. And you know, the, 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 same, the same organizers were always organizing. It was always the same leaders in, in, of the different groups that were still trying to put it together. But they were telling me, yeah, like we're just seeing, you know, the, the groups are getting smaller and smaller and people aren't, aren't coming out as much. And that was that was very discouraging. Um, and a, a, lot, a, a lot of the oxygen was sucked out, I think, by by Trump. And having been at the Walkaway March in D.C. recently, uh, I see the I see the same level of enthusiasm and energy in this movement walking away from the left and uh, the, like people's hatred of of the of the political left is as intense as our excitement and love for liberty and what Ron Paul was talking about. It was kind of surreal and really interesting. Uh, I, I, I always support ideological paradigm shifts away from from you know darkness and, and evil ideas, um, but it was just interesting to see people as as jazzed about walking away from the left and toward the right, I guess, as as we all were for Ron back in the day. I mean, I always said Ron Paul fans were like Metallica fans; they were they were you know ravenous and rowdy and always really really excited. But, you know, one of the uh, some of the things I've seen come out of this have been all these little movements that, like, like, they, like they said, you know, wouldn't have happened had it not been for what we were doing. You know, there's a very strong Second Amendment movement. There's a very strong uh, fully informed jury association movement. Like, you know, and but one of the best things I've seen come out of this has been the rise of, of blockchain and cryptocurrencies and, and that and that global market. Um, of, of crypto because the Ron Paul people were the ones that were pushing that we were like we've been shouting end the Fed for years. I have I have personally protested at almost every single Federal Reserve branch in the country, banging my fists against these brick buildings, and little good has it really done. But now we've got a we've got a technology and, and, and an alternative system to the Federal Reserve that actually could end it and. You know, that would not have happened. It would not have proliferated to the degree that it has without the Ron Paul people, because it was all Ron Paul people who were holding those initial blockchain and Bitcoin meetups and getting people into it. I remember when Bitcoin was 30 cents, you know, and I had a bunch of them and we were and we were all spending them like currency as as uh, as, as a protest against the Federal Reserve, which was one of Ron's biggest talking points was ending the Fed, you know, and and. This, this this technology rose up out of out of that time out of 2009 and and the Ron Paul movement are the ones that that have made it what it is all right well with agreed completely oh I'm sorry I'm gonna let uh, Michael say say what you, what you like no I just I just agree with that too I'm glad Jordan brought up the end the fed and the crypto because that really is a great carryover of what we started so there's there are pluses and minuses I mean I think what I predicted would happen which was not exactly I had like I had a crystal ball was that there would be some splintering and some flying apart because there isn't that same rallying figure that we had before and he did rally us together and we had such unlikely people getting to know each other and becoming good friends and again that was such a heartwarming part of the whole thing and we don't see that quite as much anymore but we're still here you know, there it's it's funny when Dr. Paul's book, The Revolution, came out. It was pretty much after the campaign had wound down, and a lot of publishers, when that book was was going around, were saying, "Well, by the time this book comes out in mid, 
you know, April or let's say mid-2008, he's going to be out of the race and no one's going to care about him anymore. And not only did people care about him, the book went to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. So it goes to show that he did something that lasts. And the fact that you and I are even having this conversation shows that he did something that really lasts. So uh, we'll leave it there. My thanks to the three of you. I want people to check uh, all of you out, jordanpagemusic.com, ronpaulforums.com. They are still up and running. So folks, you should go there and give them a nice shot in the arm, ronpaulforums.com. And I will place uh, a link also at tomwoods.com slash 1310 to Michael Moresco's Facebook, which is where you can find him. Thanks to all three of you. I appreciate it very much. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us for 2018. And this seems like an opportune moment to say thank you. Thank you to everybody for listening, especially my super regular listeners. I really, really appreciate that no matter what the topic is, you say, well, somehow Woods is going to make this interesting. I'm going to listen. And then you turn out and say, geez, doggone it. It really was interesting. I had no idea it would be that good. I appreciate you folks so much. And those of you who make a practice of sharing the episodes on social media and just helping me with, frankly, a non-mainstream program, get the word out to a lot of people, I just can't tell you how grateful I am for that. So that will do it. If you do appreciate the Tom Woods Show and you feel like you got something out of it this year, I hope before year's end, you will consider becoming a supporting listener. You get many benefits. Of course, one of them is just knowing that you're helping out. And of course, it includes, but is by no means limited to, membership in my notorious private group. You can do that at supportinglisteners.com. Again, a big thank you to everybody for helping make 2018 a very successful one for the Tom Woods Show. We are now a mere 690 episodes away from the 2000th episode extravaganza. Details to be announced in the coming years. Thanks so much, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you at the very beginning of January. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.